So I, I'm going to be sharing uh, from the theme, Who Are We? Finding Our Collective Identity in Christ. Who are we? Finding Our Collective Identity in Christ. There's a word for us in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, beginning with verse 14. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, beginning with verse 14. Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. From this text, I want to speak to you on the title, We Are Light. We Are Light. God, I pray that this would be your message, that ultimately you would be speaking, and I would just be the vessel, the vehicle that you've decided to use to say what you want to say to these, your beloved children, my sisters and brothers. God, I desire to be obedient to your word, so please let it be done. In Jesus' name, amen. We are light. Um, about a year and a half ago, uh, I was... Uh, 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 supposed to preach at a church in Santa Rosa, uh, California. And so um, I, I decided coming from West Sacramento, going that way, that maybe perhaps Napa is somewhat in between uh, Sacramento and Santa Rosa, sort of. So I thought, hey, Denisha, why don't we spend a day in Napa on Saturday and then uh, later on Saturday evening, we'll drive to Santa Rosa. I'll preach there in the morning, and then we'll, we'll come back to Sacramento Sunday afternoon. So that was the plan. So we headed out on Saturday, and we were in Napa all day. Awesome day. Got a little day date together. And then um, after dinner, we said, okay, let's go to Santa Rosa. Only problem is I've never driven from Napa to Santa Rosa. So I, I put the hotel where we were staying in Santa Rosa in my cell phone, plugged that in. And so uh, we're driving. It's at night. And I'm just listening to the voice from the GPS. And it's like it's getting darker and darker, like where we're driving. And can I just say I'm urban? So I'm used to lights. You know what I mean? I'm used to street lights. I'm used to lights from people's houses. I'm used to lights from stores, lights from gas stations. I'm just, I'm, I'm used to a lot of lights at night, but this is like, it's like we're going on some windy road, and it feels like we're going up in some mountain somewhere that I mentioned I'm urban, and we're just going, and we're winding, and it's a two-lane road, and I have to put my brights on, and, and there was a couple times, it was getting so dark, I was getting so nervous that I was going the wrong way, I was thinking, maybe we should turn back, because it, it's dark, and I've never done this before, and you know, and we were just thinking, you know, and you know, it gets really bad when you grow up Baptist but you start acting Pentecostal because you're nervous. Oh, Lord, Jesus, please let us make it. Oh, God, in heaven, El Shaddai, the wheel in the middle of the wheel, Prince of Peace, Alpha Omega, oh, God, uh, you know, the, the Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, calling out attributes of God you don't even need, but it's dark. And, and so, now, praise God, we listened to the voice uh, of the GPS, and we didn't make it into Santa Rosa. But uh, there was a lot of twists and turns. There was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of nervousness because we were in the dark. Um, and, you, you know, it, 
Me and darkness aren't really good friends, if I can be honest with you. I mean, like, you know, growing to the amusement park, I, I like the roller coasters where you can see everything that's going to happen before it happens. Like, you go up, and you know it's going to be crazy going down, but you can see it. What I don't like, has you ever been on a roller coaster or one of these rides where, like, you're, you're, you're outside and you see, and then all of a sudden it goes into some dark place? Now you don't know exactly when it's going to go down real fast. You don't know when it's going to turn. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's ahead of you because it's too dark. Uh, I, I, you know, my mom, she, she does not like, you know, complete darkness. Like, you know, she likes a little light on. Uh, you know, my dad, I grew up thinking my dad was not scared of anything. Like, I was just like, oh, my gosh, if I could just be like my dad. Because he's, like, my dad is shorter than me. My dad is thinner than me. But, like, you, you can't tell my dad that. Because my dad is just, like, he just thinks he can take anybody on, anything. You know, like, I, my dad loves the Lord. Like, he prays. He reads the Bible. But there's been a couple times where, like, you know, a taller, bigger guy bumped him. And my dad said something like, you know, in the name of Jesus, he better not do it again. You know, because my dad... <laughs> not really scared but man my dad don't like the dark like when a storm would come through I grew up in Minnesota you know when a storm would come through when the sky became real dark during the day my dad got quieter all the vibrato all the stuff that he was normally when it was dark he was different you know uh, we, we've had some some dark experiences over the last year and a half in this upside down, broken, crazy world. Uh, it, it just seems like we, we just had so many experiences that remind us that we're in this broken, upside down, dark, sinful world. And yet we are called by Jesus to live as light, to be light in a dark world, to somehow illuminate in a place of division and brokenness and unhealth and dysfunction. What does it look like to be light in darkness, to not be overwhelmed by darkness, to not fear darkness, to not be intimidated by darkness, to not just live in sustained anger or anxiety or, or stress in dark times, but to collectively be beloved children of light, to, to like bring the kingdom of God to bear on darkness dark places and dark situations in such a way that light shows up. Here in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has been teaching on what it means to be blessed. Jesus, for those people that think they know God really good, those people that think they're really righteous and really holy, those people that, that would have been like the religious elite of the time, Jesus is clarifying some things about what it means to be godly, to be righteous, to be holy, to, to understand the law of God that is disturbing to the people that think they know the law. In this teaching that Jesus is giving, he makes his way then to going from talking about what it means to be blessed, to being salt, to being light. So I just want to share for a few minutes how we could live as light, how we could live as light. Back to the text, Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 14 and 15. I'm just going to focus there for a minute. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. 
Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Here's point one. Our lives, the light of the world. Our lives, the light of the world. In dark times, in dark circumstances, it is the, the calling, it is the identity, it is the expectation that the children of God, the followers of Christ, the citizens of the kingdom of God, that we would live as light, that we would rise up as light. Um, you know, it, it doesn't help like if you're already in darkness and things get darker. Um, so, uh, well, let me just use this as an example because I'm just thinking of it right now. So, like, if you go to the movie theater, when you go into the movie theater, it's already darker than outside before you came in the movie theater, and it's darker than when you were in the lobby area purchasing your ticket. It's darker than in the concession area where you're getting your popcorn and your icy and your junior mints. And so you get into the movie theater, and it's darker but as soon as the previews start, it gets darker than that. And then after you see all the previews, all the trailers of movies that are going to come, and then it gets to the main feature, it gets darker than that. So it progressively gets darker when you're getting ready to watch this movie. This is not what's supposed to happen, though, in the world when Christians engage it. Like, if the world is already dark, so it shouldn't get darker because Christians are in it. Like, it shouldn't get darker because Christians start saying stuff in it. It shouldn't get darker because... We start living into it. Actually, that, that, like something should light up because we're in it. And, and what I'm concerned about, sisters and brothers, I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about some other Christians. <laughs> I'm not, you know, Mount Hermon draws like the best of the best, like the cream of the crop, Christ followers. So I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about these other Christians that neither one of us can stand. <laughs> I'm talking about these other people that you go to church with. This is who I'm talking about, y'all. I'm talking about y'all. I don't want you to be, don't be mad at me because we both, the, these Christians that I'm talking about, they get on our nerves collectively in here. We just don't want to say nothing about it. But like, there were moments over the last year and a half where we needed Christians to be light and they just added to the darkness. Our words were so vicious. We were so unkind. We were so self-centered. We were so just focused on our circumstance and what we wanted to do that we fed right into the division. We fed right into the, to the chasms that existed. We fed right in. I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about these other ones. <laughs> when Christians engage culture, we should bring light. Uh, so, so the issue becomes, because Jesus says, this is the last thing you want to do with, with light. He's like, he's saying light needs to be on a stand so that the whole house is lit up because of the light. He said, but if you put light under a bowl, like it's defeating the purpose of what light is supposed to do. Matter of fact, it, back then, we weren't, I mean, you're basically talking about like candles and stuff in this culture, right? You're not talking about like, you know, like these kind of lights like this, like these, these lights hanging up there. Like that wasn't first century Christian culture, you know what I mean? Like, lights up like that. That wasn't like, when, when Jesus was walking, like, before we get into, like, you know, time after the death and resurrection of Jesus, like, we're not talking about lights like this. And so, when he's saying, you know, if you, if you put a light under a bowl, you're basically extinguishing the light. 
You're killing the light. Uh, but, but you can't really kill the light, but that's my punchline. <laughs> so the issue for you and I becomes this. What's hiding your light? What's hiding the light of your single life? What's hiding the light of your marriage? What's hiding the light of your parenting? What's hiding the light of, of your manhood? What's hiding the light of your womanhood? What is hiding the light of your purpose and your calling? What is hiding the light of your talents and your gifts? What is hiding the light? And so we, th th there's no shaming here. There's no guilt tripping here. Like God wants to dispatch grace and love and liberation to you and I so that whatever's been covering up our light the last year and a half, it can be lifted off. It can be dismantled. It can be destroyed so you can shine, so your marriage can shine, so your single life can shine, so your parenting and your grandparenting can shine, so you can shine in your neighborhood, so you can shine in your city, so you can shine before family members that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, so you can shine before co-workers. It is not too late for you and I to shine, sisters and brothers, in this dark world. It is not too late to shine. So we just got to acknowledge, we just got to repent of, we just got to be real about what's been hiding our light. Is it a bowl of pride? Is it a bowl of arrogance? Is it a bowl of rejection? Is it a bowl of sustained anger? Is it a bowl of anxiety? Is it a bowl of doubt? You got a bowl, I got a bowl, we all got bowls here. So, so, so we're all on an equal playing field when it comes to bowls in our life that could potentially hide our light. What is it that's been hiding your bowl? There's an invitation, there's an opportunity for you and I to shine, for you and I to be liberated, for you and I to be healed of brokenness, for you and I to be empowered again, for you and I to be strengthened, for you and I to overcome, for you and I to be victorious, because there is an enemy that wants you and I not only to live in darkness, but do nothing about darkness. God uh, desires that we are light in the world, but the devil, Satan, desires that darkness overcomes our soul in such a way that we can't shine in society because we can't find the light for our own soul. This is the dilemma when you're attempting to be light. God is calling you and I to push the bowl off, to, to push the bowl off of on top of us because our lives are the light of the world. Here's point two. Point one, our lives, the light of the world. Point two, our lives, a light for others. Our lives, a light for others. Verse 16 of, of the Gospel of Matthew chapter five says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our lives, a light for others. Um, I used to serve uh, as the superintendent in uh, the denomination that I'm in, the Evangelical Covenant Church. And so that's originally how I moved from Minnesota to California with my family. Uh, we went from planting a church and I pastored for a while in Minneapolis to uh, uh, becoming superintendent, kind of overseeing uh, our, our churches in, uh, on the West Coast. Now, notice that the title is superintendent, not bishop. 
So uh, when, when, I, when I started uh, the, the role as superintendent, uh, the vice president of the denomination uh, met with me and he said, hey, I, I need to tell you something. He said, the, the sooner you get this down, the easier it'll be for you to live out this role. He said, you're not a bishop, you're a superintendent. He, and it, he said, it means you have a lot of responsibility but no authority. He said, he said, you have a lot of responsibility, but you can't go into a church and make them do anything. You can't, you, you, you can't really go to a pastor and make them do a lot of stuff because you're, you're a superintendent. He said, so since you don't have a lot of authority from, from, an, from a structural standpoint, he said, your best bet is to lean into influence. He said, influence, that, that, that's really what's going to, to, to strengthen you, to empower you, where you'll be faithful and fruitful in this role is through influence. And I was saying, man, I wish somebody would have told me that when I was a pastor, because I didn't have any authority there either. So, <laughs> I had influence. That's what you have. You can influence others through your light, through your light. Lives can be transformed through the influence of your light. People can be healed. People can be empowered. People can be transformed. Influencing others through your light, not through your judgment and self-righteousness. No, now I'm talking about these other Christians again, see? I'm talking about these other ones again. That, that for some reason, there, there's a segment of the body of Christ that thinks the best way to deal with culture is to make an enemy out of culture. The best way to deal with the world is to draw a line in the sand. Now, I, I, I want to I be careful here because I don't think we should make culture primarily the enemy because there is an enemy. There is Satan. There is an enemy. Demonic forces. There is a, a, an enemy here at play. No question. Uh, but I'm also would say let's not make an enemy out of, out of culture, but not, let's not fully embrace culture either. Because that, that's just as unhealthy, if not more, is just go, wherever the culture's going, that's where we'll go. We'll just adjust our theology. We'll just massage the word of God. We'll just adjust the, what the word of God says because we're just fully embracing the culture. So we shouldn't fully embrace the culture and we should make an enemy out of it. We should engage culture with love, with grace, with truth, with integrity with the imitation of Christ flowing through and out of our being. You and I have an opportunity uh, to, to live our lives in such a way that it's a light for others. Others can experience God and desire relationship with God through our light. Um, this is why I still believe that though preaching, teaching, is biblical and very important. Uh, the, the lives, the lit up lives of believers are probably the strongest evangelical, the strongest evangelism discipleship tool the church has going for it. Preaching is actually simply supposed to equip and empower saints to go out and be light to go out and live lives in such a way that people say, I wish my marriage was more like that. I wish I, I, wish I figured that out. I, I, that, that we're not drawing people to judgment as much as we're drawing people to jealousy. Yeah. 
We're drawing people to go, man, how has he figured that out? How, how is it that she can live through what we've gone through the last year and still have a hallelujah in her heart, still have thanksgiving coming out of her mouth? How do you do that? You people are strange. You people are awkward. You're not from here. Where are you from? This should be the lit up lives that we commit ourselves to. Living as light, our lives, point one, the light of the world, our lives, point two, a light for others, and three, our lives full of light or full of darkness. This must be our place of wrestling. Our lives full of light or full of darkness. Uh, as we go into chapter six of Matthew, these are the words that Jesus says to us, uh, Matthew 6, uh, beginning with verse 19. Jesus, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Uh, this is getting right into what Daryl was sharing with us earlier here as we balance out what is Solomon saying to us in Ecclesiastes here. Do, so do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, let's, what, what is he getting at here? Let's go a little deeper. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What, what, is, what is Jesus getting at? Well, you know, when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, one of the things that, that, that Satan is doing in the temptation is presenting the material but it's not because what is material is bad. I mean, you know, the, you know, the living in a house, that's good. Having the finances to, to deal with everything we need to deal with and meet our basic needs, that's good. Nothing wrong with the material. It's when the material is put up over the supernatural. When the material is, is put over the invisible God, when, when the agenda of this earth is put above the agenda of the kingdom of God, when darkness is, is preferred over light. And so uh, we, we have to wrestle with uh, uh, full of light, full of darkness. Well, what does it look like to be people full of light? People full of light prioritize rewards in heaven over treasures on earth. We, we, we steward the materials of the earth. We steward the treasures of the earth with the kingdom of God in mind. 
So we look to eternity, we look to the kingdom of God, and that informs how we steward, how we handle the treasures on earth. And if we don't do this, then what happens is the treasures of the earth become our kingdom. It becomes the kingdom we desire. This has been the wrestling that we read about throughout scripture. Like even the people of God, the chosen people of God that we read about couldn't decide if they would trust the promise of God, the covenants of God, the laws of God, or would they look at another empire and say, well, why can't we have that? Why, why can't we have a king like them? That's where it starts. Well, why, why, why can't we store up stuff the way they store up stuff? Why can't we have power the way they have power? Why can't we have might the way they have might? This is the wrestling. The, the, the wrestling, and this, the, to, to be honest, I think if you're not wrestling with this, it's a problem. Like to have the genuine wrestle of identity in Christ and how that identity in Christ causes us to deal with the material wealth, the, the possessions of this earth. People full of light prioritize rewards in heaven over treasures on earth. People full of light prioritize a healthy soul. This is what Jesus is getting at, talking about the eyes. Part of being light in the world is seeing the world the way God sees the world. This, this, is, this is how darkness takes hold. Darkness takes hold when we're not able to see ourselves the way God sees us. We're not able to see creation the way God sees it. We're not able to see other people that don't look like us the way God sees them. We're not able to see people of other nations the way God sees them. We're not able to see people that didn't grow up in the environment that we grew up in uh, like God sees them. And so what happens is when we don't see the world the way God sees it, we bring a judgment, we bring a view, we bring a prejudice we bring things upon what we see that's not of God. And this is a heart issue because sin, darkness, shows up at least in two dimensions. One, darkness shows up in the soul of human beings. Sin shows up in the heart. But sin also shows up in society. And the issue right now is there's a great debate going on in the body of Christ because there's a group of people in the body of Christ that see sin primarily in systems and structures and institutions and ideologies, and they want justice. And then there's a segment of the body of Christ that sees sin in individual souls. They want to see salvation. They want, to see, they want to see more people give their life to Christ. And the Bible is trying to get us in the right way to, to address both because in the Old Testament, righteousness and justice have the same root word. So, 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 so biblical justice begins with what is going on in the soul of human beings. And when the soul of human beings get right, the institutions and structures, the organizations that people build will reflect more the kingdom of God and less the darkness of this world. You want to change systems and structures and institutions? We got to see more change in people's souls and people's hearts and people's mind, more salvation, more justice. 
If we're talking biblical justice here, which is what I'm talking about. And so we should not bifurcate these things. We should not compartmentalize these things. We should not separate these things because this is what I do know. People that have sin, darkness in the soul, when they get together, they start building dark stuff. <laughs> they start build, broken people get with other broken people and start building broken things. So we, we must care about transformation the kingdom of God coming to bear on the souls of sinful people. But in some way, until Jesus returns, we should give a sneak preview of what it looks like for the kingdom of God to come to bear on structures and institutions, on society in some way. It all won't get right till Jesus returns. But shouldn't we at least be light enough to provide a preview of what could be if the kingdom of God was in full reign right now? So, our lives, the light of the world, our lives, a light for others, our lives full of light or full of darkness. So let me close with this. If it is our desire to collectively find ourselves more as people of the light, we need to find the light. <laughs> and uh, John helps us find the light in the beginning of the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John does not delay in helping us understand how to find the light because people of light should be connected to the real source of light, the real light that is never extinguished. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Christ is the light. You want to be light? Find Jesus. You want to be light in the city? Find where Jesus is in the city. You want to be light in the suburb? Find where Jesus is in the suburbs. You want to be light around the world? Find where Jesus is around the world. You want to see light in your marriage? Find that Jesus has a plan for your marriage. Jesus wants to light up your soul so you can light up the world. Jesus wants to light up your marriage so you can light up other marriages around you. Jesus wants to light up your family so that other families can see the light. Ah, oh, this is getting good. 
good to me. So I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to stay up here longer than I'm supposed to. I'm glad there's nobody Baptist on a Hammond organ behind me or we would be here much too long, sisters and brothers. But I know this, my life used to be dark. My life was tore up from the floor up. My life was upside down. But Jesus came into my soul when I was 16 years old and brought light and I would not be standing here before you. I would not be pastoring a church that's got every nation, it seems, under the sun in the heart of Sacramento if God had not lit up my soul in Christ Jesus. And God wants to, God wants to expand your light. That's why you're here this week. So you can get more light while you're here and you can go home with more light. So I don't know what bowl has been trying to extinguish your light. But in the name of Jesus, no more. No more dark nights of the soul terrorizing you all week long. No longer the darkness of anxiety trying to put you on a plantation of disillusionment and doubt. No more sustained anger keeping you from being light in your house. No more confusion keeping you from being the woman, being the man that God created you to be because Jesus is a light that will never be extinguished. There is no dark force. There is no dark being and one day Jesus will return. I'm preaching this like it's my last one. I got two more. I don't know why I'm preaching this like I only got one shot at y'all this week. But I know this, Jesus is light and God is calling you to be light where you are. Amen. Amen.